how well do you know your family? What up, you guys? Welcome back to Crime Over Cocktails. I'm Tiffany, your host, and today I have guest Courtney Lewis. I am super excited to be here. Thank you so much for being so understanding and so flexible. I appreciate you. I will just grab my drink here and let you run the show. Just tell me what you need from me. The last time we spoke, I remember you saying that, you know, you're in your 30s, which I still don't believe, but that (laughs) you pretty much found out like your whole life was a lie. Yes. So literally from birth, like I knew my dad. He came over from Cuba, right, on the Maria boat lift. And I knew he had been in some trouble in the United States and some in Cuba, but, like, Cuba, you know, way different, super different. But, like, Cuba being so different, you can get in trouble for something. You can go to prison for, like, jaywalking type shit. So I was like, okay, you know, my dad's not this hardened criminal. And I grew up in the 90s, so we didn't have, like, where you can look up someone's criminal record online. We didn't even have internet back then. And um, as the years went on, I ended up finding out, like, the reason my dad went and did two 10-year bids after I was born was because he was a registered sex offender. And that I found out in middle school when we, in the state of Wisconsin, we call it CCAP, where you can look up through the state of Wisconsin, anybody's, you know, um, criminal record, things like that. And that, you know, what else are we going to do when the internet just came out in study hall in the library but look everybody up that we've right uh, everybody (laughs) we've ever met so that's how I found out I just typed in my dad's name and I was like oh so that's weird that was my first big um revelation of that side of my family because I never I never knew anybody on that side of my family everyone as far as I knew was dead up until that point, besides like his brothers and like maybe one or two sisters, but we never talked to them because there was no way to communicate with Cuba at that time. When I got older, I started getting in touch with them and they're like, you know, through Facebook and email, things like that, when communication made it easier. And they were like, do you know who your father is? And I just kept saying, like, yeah, my dad's a sick fucking pervert. Like, ew. And everyone was like, no, if you knew who your father was, like, you would have a lot more respect for him. I was like, uh, no. Likely decline. <laughs> right. Like, I think not. Probably no. And um, I ended up at this party. My boyfriend at the time so happened to be on the run go figure. And we were at a birthday party while he was hiding out. And this guy shows up and he's kind of got like a little Hispanic swagger to him. But I thought he was Mexican, just like the Cubans. The thing with Cubans is you can never tell who's Cuban because they come in so many different shades. Like there is black as Africa and there is white as Pitbull. And he like, I thought this guy was Mexican and he just goes, or somebody goes, you should ask him if he knows your dad. I was like, what, what do you mean? They're like, he's Cuban. I was like, oh, here we go. And I was like, do you know my dad? He's like, well, who's your dad? And I told him my dad's nickname in the streets. And he goes, ah, 
Cuba. <laughs> and he like circles his <laughs> eyes. And my dad, my dad has this thing called Graves disease. So it makes his eyes bulge out. So everybody like, if they don't know who my dad is, they're, I, you just have to tell them like the eyes. He's like, yeah, I know your dad. Do you know your dad? And I was like, obviously I just said his fucking name. Like what? <laughs> and he's like, I think if you knew a little bit more about your dad, you'd have a little more respect for him. And I'm over here like, why is everybody saying this to me like constantly? And this was probably back in 2010. And he's like, I think if you knew who your father was, you'd have some more respect for him. And he started telling me all these, we call them war stories. And those are like any kind of stories from when you get in trouble, things like that. And like, you're not allowed to exchange them when you're locked up because that's how you become a smarter criminal. But he started telling me all these war stories about my dad from Cuba all the way to America. And he was like, you know, your dad was like a gang leader in Cuba. Like he was doing this, this and this over there. And I was like, huh? And he's like, did you ever notice this particular tattoo on his body? And I was like, yeah. And he goes, what do you think that stands for? And I was like, uh, I have no, cause again, back then, like 2010, even internet on cell phones, you had to wait around for 15, 20 minutes for a single page to load. Heaven forbid you try to Google anything. It's dial up. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was. And that's when you had the sliders and you were cool. If you had the QWERTY keyboard, otherwise you had to three, 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 two, two, nine. It was, it was all bad. Sorry for all I'm showing my age here. See, I told you I really am 30 <laughs> or 32. <laughs> And um, he goes, you know that that is a symbol for the Latin kings, right? And I was like, what? And he's like, yeah, you know he's he's up there. Like, he's up there. That's why I said if you knew who your father was, you'd have more respect for him. And I was like, well, now I feel like I have a little bit less respect for him because why are you a high-ranking gang member like sleeping with teenagers? This is gross. What the fuck? Right. And he just kept telling me all these intricate stories of all these shenanigans my dad would get into and like how my dad got stabbed in the head by his friend while they were drunk. And my dad went home to my mom and was like, <laughs> Michael stabbed me. Like thought it was hysterical. Like my, my dad's, I don't know. He's crazy. I don't talk to him, but he's a lunatic. So I was like, oh, well, all of this is starting to make sense. Shortly after that, I got into my dad ended up getting released again. And actually, it was probably about five years later, got released from prison again, got in touch with me. And he started telling me about his dad, who was alive and well in New York City. And I was like, I, you see... Now, I thought all of our family on that side, besides like a couple brothers and like a sister, were dead. Like, that's what you told me my whole life. And he's like, no, no, my dad's alive and well. He's living it up in New York City. And I was like, New York City is pretty expensive. Like, how, how is that work? But I didn't want to ask any questions because over the years, rewind that back a minute. When I was 17 years old, I had my boy, well, my baby daddy, I ended up pregnant right before senior year. And two of our roommates show up on my door with this 13 year old and said, she's your sister. And I was like, Ooh, 
I don't have siblings. She's like, actually, you have 17 of them. And I was like, 17? 17. Now, honey, that is not the worst of it. To date, besides besides my one sister who rest her soul passed away, I have 22 living siblings to date, ranging from their 40s to toddlers. Like it's it's insane. Insane. So this girl's like, yeah, I'm your sister. I ended up on a social media site that no longer exists. Thank goodness. It was back when chat rooms were a thing. And it was like the parent. It was oh my gosh, I wish. It was um, do you remember Moco Space? I never did it, but I remember it. Yes. Yes. We I was in one of the chat rooms one day and it was like this girl and I were talking about the group ICP. And I, of course I was like, oh, I have to add her. So I clicked on her page and it was like the parent trap. I was like, oh, you have my face. And then I looked at her name and she had my dad's last name. And I was like, hold on, wait a minute. And she was from San Antonio, Texas. And I flashed back to a memory where my dad, when I was six years old, he called me from prison at my grandparents' house. And he like, coerced me into making a long distance call back then they were not free folks (laughs) long distance call to san antonio texas but he wouldn't tell me who he was calling come to find out it was her mom because she's only like a year or two younger than i am so i'm like oh i really do have a million siblings thank you ancestry dna and um (laughs) So then I'm sitting here as he's telling me about his dad. He starts telling me about his mom and showing me pictures of his mom. And he was like, yeah, she, I remember when I was in Cuba and I would have to like walk to go visit her in prison. I was like, you never told me my grandma was in prison in Cuba. I thought she was a waitress and the worst she ever did was keep her tips. Cause again, Cuba is a way different country than America. And he told me she did like a little bit of jail time for keeping her tips while working at a restaurant in a a hotel. And he goes, oh, no, she was in prison several times, but he never told me what for. And I was like, "Okay, it might have been something super petty because it's Cuba. When I got to talking to my some of my siblings who obviously know way more of the family history and my cousins in Cuba, they were like, do you know what? our grandmother's name was I was like yeah it's Francesca Palomares and they were like do you know what Palomares translates to and it literally translates to a non like a non vulgar term for keeper of pigeons and for anybody who knows like hip-hop slang pigeons is another term for drugs and I was like oh (laughs) Oh, and I was like, so, and, and now the weird thing is in, in Hispanic culture, especially in Cuba, which is like frozen in time. Anybody who's seen pictures of Cuba, like it's not just the cars that are frozen in time. It's the way of life. Everything is so traditional. There is no such thing as divorce. There is no such thing as none of that. No such thing as having kids outside of your one marriage. My grandmother had two baby daddies and like three husbands, but she was never divorced and never took any of their last names. I was like, that is super not traditional. And how'd she have three husbands if she never got divorced? And my brother literally just paused and he's like, 
he's like our grandfather, like our actual one that was just alive in New York. He's like, he's the only one that ever survived being married to her. I was like, now, now what you mean? Like survive being married to her. He's like, grandma was a bit of a, like there, nobody can confirm or deny it, but her husband's just had a tendency to disappear. Oh my God. What the fuck is happening right now? First, she's a keeper of pigeons. And then instantly my head starts just all the wheels start turning. And I'm going through every memory. Like I have full memory of everything from two all the way until like 20 something. And then I can't remember what I said five minutes ago type shit. And when they tell me about this and then I put the fact together, like her last name was Palomares, but that wasn't ever her, that wasn't her given name at birth, but it wasn't any of her husband's last name. Like she chose that and took it for herself. And I was like, wait a minute. It took me back to a memory where I was, I remember being probably four years old and my dad would take me whenever my mom was at work, my dad would take me to this it's like a high rise apartment building for, I think like elderly and disabled people in our area. And there's like a, one of those drive through driveways and a park bench in the middle of it. And all these pigeons would just swarm that one area. And he would take me there every time my mom went to work and have me sit super still for hours while we caught pigeons. I was like, what (laughs) and so like like, okay so we're just gonna catch pigeons like dad can't we just go to like we live next door to the pet store why why is this happening why are we catching random pigeons in a driveway like they're looking at us crazy and we never kept them like he would bring them home but slowly but surely they would all disappear and I'm like what happened and he would just go oh one got out Oh, one got out, one got out. But then it took me back to another memory where he used to sing this song and it's an actual song from like, I don't know, I think the seventies, maybe early eighties. And it, I'm not going to sing it. My voice is not <laughs> great. I'm not going to sing it, but the lyrics go, una paloma blanca se fue de lando or dejando, sorry, dejando. And what that, tra- and so I was like, but he would always say yeehaw at the end. Yeehaw was not part of the lyrics. So I went to good old Google Translator because now we have iPhones and Androids that can just pull up Google in a second. I go to good old Google Translate and I pop in the lyrics and it literally translates to a white bird has left. One white bird has left. And then he would always say yeehaw. Now, again, anybody who knows hip hop slang knows that a white bird is slang for cocaine. And that took me back to speaking to this random Cuban at a house party when my boyfriend was on the run, <laughs> who was telling me that when my dad first came to America, he came on the Mariel boat lift, but he was underage. So he was actually placed with a family in Miami, Florida. And at that time, the Miami cocaine scene was blowing up. You had the Colombian cocaine dealers. You had the Cuban cocaine dealers. And they had a group called the Cocaine Cowboys. This man told me my dad was a cocaine cowboy. And I was like, 
Yeah, right. My dad just looks funny. He doesn't do drugs. He just <laughs> he looks, looks funny. funny. That's, that's, that's just how his face is, you know? And then I start piecing this together. I was like, Paolo Matis, the keeper of pigeons, one white bird has left. And every time he would sing it to me, I would wake up. He would sing it to me as if it were a lullaby. And every time I would wake up from a nap, one of our pigeons would be gone. And then fast forward real quick. I'm friends with this little, he's a troublemaker. He's locked up and he's tell, he's from Miami originally. And he was telling me how in the hood in Miami, he's around my age. So this goes way back. He was like, yeah, we get pigeons addicted to drugs like cocaine and heroin so that they come home. That's how we, that's how you send them somewhere with drugs, have them deliver it. And then they come back because they're addicted to drugs. And so I was like, how do they know where to freaking take it? They don't got GPS. (laughs) Right. Right. So I'm sitting here piecing all this together. I was like, Oh my gosh, my dad was a cocaine cowboy. My grand, my great, or my grandma was a black widow. Like, what is happening in my life right now? Who am I? I instantly, as soon as all this starts clicking in my head, I reach out to my brother who still lives in Florida. And well, I shouldn't say still lives in Florida. He's from Florida. I'm the only one from Wisconsin. And I was like, can you just tell me if I'm hallucinating here? Like this has to just be something I'm Like, this has to be a delusion, like an Alice in Wonderland thing in my mind. This can't be real. He's like, you're way hotter than you think to the truth. And I was like, oh, what the fuck? (laughs) And then it turns out, like, our my grandma was, like, they finally opened up and told me my grandma was, like, a queen pin in Cuba. She was the dope dealer in Cuba. And my dad came over because he was the only troublemaker in the family and they wanted him to get a fresh start before he followed in her footsteps. And he just picked right up because coming into Miami in the early eighties, it's nothing but cocaine everywhere. So it was, uh, that is my life. That is is crazy. That's a lot to take in. It is. (laughs) And then I felt like I aged about 30 more years. Like, what did I just find out? Like, everything I ever knew about my entire existence was a whole lie. Like, I thought my grandpa was dead. I thought my grandma was just a sweet old, like, housewife, traditional Cuban housewife that was cooking chicken for her family and going and, you know, stealing her tips because they were so poor. And no, like, business was booming and that, like... He talks about like our family home in Cuba. It's one house, but it's so traditional still there that everybody in the family lives there. You have aunts, uncles, cousins, sisters, mothers, fathers. There's like five separate families in our one family living in this one house. So he always made it seem like they were so poor that they didn't have a choice but to all live there. But then you go on Facebook and every day they're wearing designer clothes and expensive jewelry and popping like these expensive bottles. And I'm like, I don't even live like that. Like, what? <laughs> and they're like, honey, this is the family business. And I'm just like, no, 
No, <laughs> it can't be. And so, <laughs> yeah, keeper of my whole life unraveled learning about pigeons in rap music. That is crazy. So you guys would go to the park and he'd get a pigeon, take it home, and then sing you a lullaby and it'd be gone. <laughs> it would be gone. And it wasn't even a park. Like we would literally just sit in the driveway of this like high rise for disabled and elderly people. We would just like sit in their driveway on a bench and for hours while they got used to us being there so they wouldn't get spooked. And then he would have me help him chase them and catch them and put them in this box. And we would just have a box full of pigeons. And one by one, they would disappear. And Did I'm you ever like, see a package on them or anything? Well, you, probably, you weren't looking for any looking, of that. But. Looking back, I saw a lot of suspicious packages, but I was a kid. So I just thought like, I, like my dad's a hardworking businessman. Like he works on farms. Those are his tools and shit. But it like... Then I realized as I got older, I was like, I never knew my dad to hold a like real job longer than 48 hours. But yet he always had money. He always had nice clothes. He always had his own place. He was always flashy, but he never had a job. And I was like, (sighs) but I just, that's all I knew as a kid. That's literally all I knew. And then even growing up from prison, he would send me designer shoes. He would send me like the latest Jordans. From prison. Yeah, from (laughs) prison. And I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, he he works in there. He, He has a job in the kitchen, which he did. But I didn't know at the time, like, Courtney, they make like 12 cents an hour. He's not buying the latest Jordans with a kitchen prison job. Like, no, that's not what's happening. So I like, and like, to this day, I never had much respect for my dad when I got older, because he wasn't in my life. But to this day, everyone tells me like, if you knew your dad, you would have a lot more respect for who he is. And now like, I get it like, oh, he He's like one of those, like, I, I need to shut my mouth type things. And I, for my last birthday, I decided to go out downtown and go bar hopping, which was when you're 32, you don't need to go bar hopping. Everybody looks like they're 12. And then when guys (laughs) hit on you, you're like, can you just go do your homework or make your bed, go do your chores. I don't know. We decided to go to this one bar that is like the only for some reason, it's like legal to smoke pot in this bar, even though pot is not legal in the state of Wisconsin. So I don't know if they have like a religious thing or which is weird because they're connected to a church, but okay. (laughs) And we decided to go there because we were like, dude, we really want to smoke our pens. And you know, if people are just down there passing joints around, like, of course we want to, and they have live music. Let's go. So we go down there and the first guy that walks up to us goes, Hey, I know you. And I'm like, no, you don't. He goes, yeah. Do you want to do some blow? And I was like, no, you must know my dad. I'm not him. I am (laughs) not him. That's literally what I said to this person. So then we walked inside and come to find out it was Cuban music night, which I didn't even know there was such a thing. And 
all of a sudden when we we sit at the bar we get my birthday drinks and everything and then we go through this like entryway into like the area where they have the live music and all of a sudden I just see this tall skinny man with long dreads and I was like hey I know you he goes you're his daughter and I was like oh man and in in the Cuban culture if somebody is friends with your parents they are automatically like your aunts or uncles like they're automatically family so I'm like oh this is my uncle so-and-so like yes we're dapping up and he's like what are you doing here and I couldn't believe he even recognized me because I had a ginger wig on and I just I did not look like me I was all super looking like a girl and he's like what are you doing here and I was like it's my birthday like I'm here to let loose and of course I'm at this bar because I want to smoke pot while I'm drinking like what are you doing here he goes oh these are your other uncles I'll be right back didn't introduce me to any of them just told them whose daughter I was and they instantly like oh oh come up and start kissing me all over my cheeks I've never met these men before in my life and they're like oh your dad he's too hyper he's too hyper. He gets, he gets in so much trouble because he's too hyper. And I was like, well, after what I found out, I wonder why he's so damn hyper. But (laughs) And then the booger sugar. (laughs) Right. Like, I'm pretty sure if that were my profession, I'd be bouncing off the walls too. And then before I know it, this other man, the only one that I had ever, ever met before comes back in, wraps his arm around me and just slaps something in my hand. And I'm like, you did not just do what I think you just did. I didn't even want to look at my hand. And he's like, happy birthday. And I'm like, I have nowhere to put this. Like, I I have nowhere to put this. I can't just walk around downtown with whatever you just put in my hand. I don't even want to know what you just put in my hand. He's like, no, it's okay. It's safe in here. This is This is our bar. This is our bar. And I look and it's like this much weed. Jeez. And I like yes, it was it had to have been like at least a pound. And I'm like, where the hell did he pull it out from? He left the bar for like three minutes and then came back. And I was like, you just walk, you just ride around with pounds, just random pounds, and nobody cares. Like I can understand, like, oh, you know, I'm walking through town and like I got my joint, whatever. It's just gonna be a ticket, but like a like you just what and he goes no no you're his daughter happy birthday and I was like I don't know that I like this this responsibility this this that <laughs> you're putting on my shoulder like I like this don't get me wrong I like this but I don't know if I like what so now I just I have we have this running joke that because Bacardi was originally a Cuban rum and they're like Cuban royalty over there. And we had this running joke that the Palomares family, which my dad now goes by, he refuses to go by his legal last name, which is Rodriguez. He Now he goes by his mother's chosen last name. And I was like, huh, you outed yourself. Now I know it's all true. <laughs> There's a whole running joke that if drugs were not so frowned upon, my grandma would have been bigger than the Bacardi family in Cuba. And I'm like, I don't like that. I don't 
that's not what I want to be known for. I want to do podcasts and shit. Like, <laughs> no, I don't. So that is that is how I came to realize my true identity, which I still am so lost in. I can only imagine that's like I said, that's a lot to take in. And I'm sure like now as you've gotten older, like so many red flags stick out and you're like, oh, yes. yes. Now looking back, I can see them all. And I'm like, wow, we were oblivious. How did mom not see that one coming? Like, did your mom know about this whole life? No, she said, you know, now that you piece it together, it all makes sense. And I was like, how did you not know you lived with the man? Like they lived in an efficiency for the longest time with a Murphy bed. Like, how do you live in such small quarters and not know that this is happening? And she's like, well, I guess I just <laughs> was lost in the Spanish accent and his Jerry Crow. My parents met at McDonald's <laughs> of all places. And my mom, my mom's Caucasian. And I'm not hating on anybody. I, this is not, it's just, it's the funniest thing. Cause she's like a country girl from small town, Minnesota. So she's mostly Norwegian. So she's white, white. And then you have my dad in the, mind you, this is the eight, late eighties. Who is this tall, skinny, buff, like kind of dark skinned dude with an ice cube, Jerry curl, just dripping. <laughs> And she's sitting at McDonald's with her friends, just boop, 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 boop. And she's like, I looked out the window and I saw him and I knew I had to have him. And I was like, ew. (laughs) (laughs) And then he's like, so I ran outside to talk to him. And then he started speaking with that accent. And she was like, it was done. You were, you were on your way. And I was like, oh, the standards. (laughs) My life story started with cocaine and McDonald's. No wonder I ended up like this. Yeah, I don't think your mom partaked in all that. It sounds like they live completely separate lives. Oh, they did. She was like a CNA. She was working at like in a group home for disabled children up till they're 21 type things. Like she was very, very country girl. Like I'm talking cows on the walls. Like, like she was, her heart was in the farm. You got cookie cutter. And then you got coat cutter. <laughs> yes, girl, yes, yes. Oh, and then you the the cookie cutter ain't so cookie cutter either. Did I tell you about my grandma on my mom's side? No. Oh my gosh, we had a family reunion, and this was oh my gosh, I had to have been like eighteen, nineteen. So this was some time ago. This Minnesota town that my family is originated from. Um, the, the white side of my family, it's so small, but it's a farming community. And so I, I call it like the five families of this city. It's like, it's like the Gotti family, but, but it's the five families, the five farming families. And our family was one of the biggest ones because my grandpa worked at the courthouse. He was in, into theater. So he was super actively involved in the community. Um, his only son died in Vietnam 99 days before he was supposed to come home. Then he had like four daughters. It was like, our family was well known in that small town. Like everybody knew us. And when my grandpa died, when I was two, this was actually my great grandpa on my mom's side. When my great grandpa died, when 
I was too, they sold the family farm because my great grandma, you know, she couldn't keep up with it and she didn't have her son anymore to help out with the farm and the girls weren't going to be able to do it. So they sold the family farm, but they sold like the, the buildings and kept the land because the son and sons-in-laws all wanted to do hunting. It's like beautiful, beautiful hunting area. So we had this family reunion and the family that lives there to this day, they'll still welcome us up on the land anytime, as long as we give them notice, like, yeah, you can come up anytime, do whatever you want to, you can come check out the, the buildings and everything. Cause it's such a historical place in town. And we're like, all right, cool. So we went up there during the, the one reunion where like people flew in from California and New York and all the, all the places. And we're standing, looking at the house and looking at the gardens and everything. And all of a sudden, my one cousin that like lives down south came walking out of the woods, holding something in his hand and I was with his two younger sons. And I was like, that can't be what I think it is. And I look closer and it's this giant pot plant. And I was like... So when you guys found out I was a stoner, you guys looked at me crazy, but you guys have wild pot growing up in the woods. And you mean to tell me nobody knew? And my grandma, my sweet little grandma, bless her heart. Oh my gosh. She is literally all of five foot one, super Norwegian. Like her dad was English and her, or no, her mom was Irish and her dad was Norwegian. That's what it was. So she's got the big blue eyes and the fire red hair. And I'm just like, she turns and looks at me. She goes, that's not wild. We knew it was there. And I was like, what, what do you mean? It's not wild. She goes, it's, it's been there like since the family got here and it's not wild. And I was like, are you trying to tell me my great, great grandparents were up there farming hemp while I was like, what are you trying to tell me? And she's like, yeah. How do you think everybody in the family dealt with each other? She's like, we had four sisters and one brother. We terrorized each other. How do you think anybody got along in this family? I was like, oh, we were pot farmers covering it up with cows. What? So yeah, we have cookie cutter with pot plants and coke cutters with pigeons. <laughs> I girl, I wish I was making this shit up. I wish I was making this shit up. I have no idea like who who lives this life and I never knew any of it. None of it. My family was so like conservative and so like I'm sorry, but the and I don't mean to be vulgar everybody. This is who I am. I apologize in advance. The stick was so far up there that you could see it in their mouths. That's how <laughs> uptight my family is and so to find all of this stuff out I was like somebody could have told me like somebody could have gave me the heads up that like and why was everybody mad at me when you guys found out like what so yeah that's probably why though they were so like us because they was like we ain't getting caught <laughs> right, right. They were probably like, "We're and we're not sharing because if you know it's up there, it's not going to be up there anymore." Like, you know what? You're right. You're right. You got me on that. It would not be up there no more. It really wouldn't. It wouldn't. I'm sorry. Just being honest. So it's. 
This is me vida loca. <laughs> I I don't know what what I was birthed into. I feel like people need to do background do background checks on people before you have kids with them. Please do background checks on people before you like I'm talking like intensive ones. Have like the FBI do some kind of like my dad another red flag most kids with their parents would like have movie nights and watch Disney movies with their parents and stuff like that and have game nights. My family, we would stay up and watch America's most wanted to make sure my dad wasn't on it. And I couldn't understand. I was like, cause at the time I thought my dad's worst crime committed was stealing pizzas from the local gas station chain. And that literally was all I knew that he had ever done. So I was like, why would they put you on America's most wanted for that? So I, I, I made sure I was a good kid for a lot of years. Like I did not so much as jaywalk for the longest time because I thought literally for the smallest things you could be put on America's most wanted. And then I found out like all of this, Oh, he probably was on an episode, huh? And then we used to run drills of how to conceal him if the police ever showed up. And then one time they actually found him. And that was the time they put a gun to my head when I was six. Jesus. Yes. And again, I thought all of this for a guy who steals frozen pizzas from a gas station when he's drunk. Like, this is ridiculous. <laughs> America is something's wrong with the system in America. And now I'm like, oh, you got that. You got that one. It was it was a doozy. It was uh, a whole doozy. But now it all makes sense. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Do you keep in touch with any of your siblings since you have like 10,000? <laughs> I do. Um, I have one that the one from San Antonio actually moved up here um, to Wisconsin. So I, I talk to her like all the time. And then a couple of my brothers in Florida, I still am in touch with. One of my brothers is serving life without parole. And one just got his sentence overturned to life without parole from death row. Yeah. Murder? apparently it was like a home invasion gone wrong i guess and that's i mean that's usually frowned upon yeah a little bit. drugs involved and i was like so it is it is a family business it really is and i'm the one like i'm sitting here with my nickelodeon shirt clearly i'm the one that got left out of the family business <laughs> like, okay <laughs> yeah absolutely like I will I will continue to make my money legally thank you very much and I will not pop bottles I will pop Gatorade with protein and I will rock my Nickelodeon shirts while you all do the dirty work and wear your Versace <laughs> do you have any contact with your dad no he actually uh robbed me like what? two years ago I was supposed to be going to pick up one of my, well, not one of my boyfriends. This was my only boyfriend at the time, but now he's an ex. I was supposed to go pick him up and my dad was going to take me to go pick him up two and a half hours away. And he was like, well, I need the money in advance. And I was like, okay, like thinking I can trust him. It's my dad. Like we've been good for a few months. Like that's the longest we've had a contact relationship outside of him being locked up so it's like I can trust him so I gave him a hundred dollars and then the day comes up to that day he stopped responding to my messages he stopped answering my phone calls 
never showed up the day I was supposed to um, pick up my boyfriend and then stole over a hundred dollars from me. I mean, it's, it's not a lot, but it was the principle to me. Like, dude, you just like, you just bare face robbed me. Like, and you're supposed to be this, like, exactly. He's got supposed to have more money than God. So yes. yes. And I'm over here, like broke as a joke. That's the only money I had. And you just like stole it from me. And he's like, I don't owe you shit. And I was like, well, the child support says different, but, <laughs> um, you know, fine. And then I like, I, I relate it all back to the movie, a Bronx tale where Sonny's telling, see he's like if that's all it took to get him out of your life that was pretty cheap so I'm like you got that one and he he came back trying to talk to my mom and my mom's sister and um wanting them to get me to speak with him again and I was like I have no need like my whole life was a lie I literally if he's this big time drug dealer and this high-ranking gang member like I could have been in trouble like I could have been in danger my whole life and never even known it for no no reason to my knowledge and then you go and rob me when you have more money than anybody I know like he's driving around in a brand new Mercedes Benz that he he literally asked me he's like should I get a a Bentley or a Benz and I was like I hate you're driving <laughs> right. I was like you're you're driving a Subaru right now. What are you talking about? A Bentley or a Benz? So I and my dad, when I was little, he used to do anything I told him to do. Like if I told him shave your head, the very next day he'd have his head shaved. If I told him have your hair braided, he'd have it braised the very next day. Like anything I told him to do, he would do it. He was so wrapped around my finger when I was little. But I didn't think that. He was serious when he said, should I have a Bentley or a Benz? Because I was literally like, you're driving a Subaru. There's no way you're going to get a Bentley or a Benz. And I was like, hmm. And I was just trying to like mess with them. I was like, you should get a sky blue Mercedes Benz with a sunroof and a whole system and tinted windows on nice rims. And he's like, okay. He calls me the next day. He's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, chilling at the house. Why? He goes, I'm on my way from the car lot. And I was like, what car lot what are you talking about he's like I just traded in my car I'm like for what he's like the Benz and I was like no you didn't and sure shit he pulls up in front of my house in a sky blue brand new Mercedes Benz with the whole system tinted window sky roof on pretty ass rims I was like I would have said give me the keys and thank you (laughs) right like him Hannah Hannah here Hannah here but no, I haven't. He added me on Facebook and I, I added him back just like I accepted his request just because I'm trying to get a picture of my grandma on his side. The only picture that my family in Cuba has is like this water damaged one. And he has the same picture, but it, there's no water damage. So I was like, let me see if he'll give me a copy of it because I want to be able to be like, this is my grandma, the Cuban Griselda Blanco. <laughs> and <laughs> Like not, not really. I just, I do want pictures of my family from that side. Cause I don't, I don't know any of them, but he won't give it to me. So I, I don't talk to him anymore. Yeah. Eh, you're better off. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
So I just chill with my mom's side of the family and like my sister and I still have contact with some of my brothers and that's good enough for me. I I feel like if there's any more secrets to come out, like I'm just, I'd rather not know. <laughs> I'm, I'm good with where I'm at. <laughs> yeah, I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, tapping out. I'm good. I am I am too country for all of this. I am I am cowgirl boots and and no, I'm this isn't the life for me. Mm-mm. Yeah. Now that yeah. that life comes with matching pair of bracelets that I do It not- does. It really does. And I like I'm so thankful to my mom because I was headed down that path not like selling drugs. I never did that, but like I was locked up before I've had more run-ins with the law before or after I was locked up. And if it weren't for a promise that I made to my mom after my one time of actually doing time, I feel like I would have actually followed in his footsteps without even knowing that they were his footsteps. So I'm just like, thank goodness for my mama. Whew. It happens a lot, you know, when kids grow up knowing or not knowing, you're still seeing the behaviors and they're easy to pick up. Absolutely. It's that nature versus nurture. And I'm just like, oh boy. And that's where I've kind of been like, I don't want to raise my own children. Like I don't want to have children of my own and, and keep them and raise them. And like, I want to break the cycle as best I can. I don't want them growing up with secrets and these, like, I just, I look at my life so differently now. And I know I shouldn't because that's not me that did any of that. That's not me that was involved. Well, other than catching pigeons that was like, I wasn't involved in any of it, but I still am like, I don't want to have to explain that to my children. But at the same time, I wouldn't want them to find out the way that I found out. Like, deep dark family secrets dun 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 so it's i was like i'm gonna just break the cycle the buck stops here we're we're not going any further we are done right now (laughs) now i mean you gotta do what's best for you and your children absolutely one thousand percent one thousand percent well that is freaking i don't even know how i would handle all that Shit, I mean, he's got to be out of the drug business now because that fentanyl shit, that ain't nothing to play with. That's what I said. I was like that. And it's especially in our area. It is so bad. It's in like they're finding it in pot now where I'm at. They it just is, said that here, too. And I was like, what the uh, hell? Like, what, really? Like, we can't even just like our weed dealers anymore. They need to realize that you're killing your profit. <laughs> right. Exactly. I can't come back to you if I'm dead. So. Right. Like what? It's and it ta- this it is so scary because it takes so little to do so much damage. I mean, they give that to me in the hospital when I had chronic illness and they'll give me the smallest smallest dose available and I am a, like drooling on myself, eyes rolled back, feeling like I this is it, I'm gonna die. And they're like, no, 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 honey, we've got you on all the monitors. You're good, you're fine. And I'm like, I don't feel fine. I don't know how people enjoy this. That's what I always said. I never like that pill shit. Like, mm-mm. 
Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for coming on. What a crazy story. Just keep up with the positivity and keep your nose clean. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much. Keep my nose clean and nothing white on it. Absolutely. (laughs) Thank you so much for having me. It's been a blast and a pleasure. You have a wonderful night. You do the same, dear. Do you have a crazy story like Courtney's that you want to tell? If you would like to be on the show, head over to crimeovercocktails.com. There's a few different ways that you can get a hold of me. All right, you guys, we'll talk crime another time. Bye.